I'm about to upload a picture. I was I had an incredible circumstance happen to me. I need you guys. Are you guys ready? Yeah. yeah sure. It better not just be a. Oh my god! What the fuck oh, is that? Shoot, juice. I said it on the thing. Y- you what? I was. I oh. said it in the Slack. Look, oh my god. Okay. So so it. when I when it opened when it opened for me. It, it like because it was such a big image it filled the entire screen so i didn't see the description and all it looks like is and i'm not even joking it looks like a vampire bite on your arm oh, guys it, i was bitten by a wolf spider and it that's was the, the wildest biggest, thing that's the biggest, the biggest and worst spider there is yeah Juice. that's the life here in the hills it, it, russ you've you've grown soft you've forgotten life in the hills uh, growing the, soft Griffin, you're, you're soft i wasn't too. You're both soft, soft. Before. you've forgotten life in the hills i literally live in, i literally corner. live in hill country texas Happy Halloween. I got bitten by a spider. You know yeah. what's terrifying about that is that it's on your, that's your arm, right? Yeah. It's on your arm, which means it was like at chest height to make that angle. I was reaching in to pull some curtains closed. Oh, God. And I got owned. You got Cur- owned, dude. Curtains in your house? No. No, outside curtains. No. Tree curtains. curtains. No, curtains somewhere else. Okay. I would burn whatever that place was down to the ground. Yeah. It was Embassy Suites in Charleston. <laughs> that seems risky. <laughs> okay. You might get in some trouble there. Fingers crossed that that place doesn't get randomly burned down in the next couple of days. That'd be bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I got bitten by a wolf spider, and things are really different for me now. Sydney says it's, uh, according to the, you know, the head shrinkers, it's uh, non-venomous, but uh, you can look at the bite and see that it is pretty serious. Did you see yeah. the spider after it bit you? No, I identified the bite by Googling for wolf spider bites, mm. and it looks 100% exactly like that. And if I just feel like if you've been bitten by wolf spider and you haven't gotten the support that you needed from your wife, who's a physician, reach out. Like, we should, we got to be there for each other. This yeah, is a man. very serious thing that happened to us. Why would you know to Google wolf spider bite? Well, I went through a lot of other more serious spider bites <laughs> sure. that eventually got <laughs> Now, can you be absolutely certain that Dracula hadn't gotten to the wolf spider first mm-hmm. and passed his terrible curse by, pro- oh, by proxy of the spider? spider. Van yeah. Spider. spider. Vampire spider. Vamp- Vamp- I, I can't be sure, but we've gone along with that. Okay. But hey, don't <laughs> die from it. My name is Mr. McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I played a bunch of zombie stuff this week. My name is Russ Frustick, and I know the best game of the week. Uh, welcome to the Besties. It's a video game club where we talk about the latest in home interactive entertainment. It's a club, yes, but not an exclusionary <laughs> one. In fact, if you wish to join, there's no membership dues. You just go ahead and hop on board. Come on. Wait, just there's no dues? You're, you're a member. There's no dues. That was a big mistake. Yeah, we yeah, should have actually charged for this. Yeah, for sure. We tried to do some dues for a while, and then Spotify said, no, I don't <laughs> think you should charge any dues. You won't be paid any dues for your exclusive club. So this is an exciting episode because we're going to be, is the, the, the scary season is upon us. Look all around. There's spiders, as we've <laughs> we covered. There's creepy skeletons. And all kinds of different scary things are happening right now. And one of the big ones is that Left 4 Dead is back as Back for Blood, a different game franchise from a different team. Can I, can I vote for the duration of this podcast? And this is not a uh, snarky thing, uh, but that we can refer to this game alternatively as Left 3 Dead. Because it's... Oh, it is, uh, oh it is, boy, I like it. It is for sure also... That definitely 100%. Okay, I'm gonna try to really quick explain what it is, and I'm probably not gonna call it Left Free Dead. Sorry, okay. Uh, Back for Blood, when they do is... a free play, free to play version of this, yeah. it'll be Left Free Dead. <laughs> I'm sure it's already in the works. Back for Blood is a zombie shooter where you shoot zombies, you are not a zombie, but you shoot zombies. It's developed by Turtle twist, Rock though? Studios. That would be a fucking crazy. Somebody comes up at you with a crowbar, like, I'm gonna bash your zombie brains in, and you're like. Are you, though? I'm a gun zombie. <laughs> Someday there will be gun zombies. Uh, Turtle Rock Studios made Left 4 Dead 1 and Left 4 Dead 2. 
uh, on, published by Valve, and then they fled the coop and uh, made a weird asymmetric monster hunting game that I whose name I forget at the it's, moment. We forgot last week too. It's Evolve. I remember Evolve. Long after. Thank you. Yes. And uh, and now they have made Back for Blood, which is as Griffin alluded to, basically the third Left for Dead game in anything but name. But so, it's got a lot uh, of it's got a lot of new, cool, clever stuff and some changes from the original sort of format, while I yeah. think preserving a lot of what made those games great. So we're going to talk about that in just a second. This episode of The Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames, and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now... You can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. So this franchise, how long has this been dormant? When was the last? Because I, I sometimes I forget we're talking I, to like at this point multi generational gamers on this show. I want to say okay. So Left for Dead Two came out in two thousand and nine. Incredibly, I thought it was far more recent than that. That is horrifying. So that is eleven, twelve years. Two thousand nine, a year after Left for Dead One, uh, uh, which was I mean very much similar to this is a four person, uh, it's sort of like zombie movie made into a game. I do, so I do want to call attention to the fact that two Valve published games came out within a year of the, each other. And I they mean, were they used sequels. to do that shit. They used, they used to, to be do that. that. They yeah. used to make games. Um, <laughs> this is, and it is, a uh, uh, unlike a lot of games like this, the impetus usually is not on like eradication or ra- racking up sick kills. It's much more about getting from A to B and staying alive. There have been other games that I think are in a, in this sort of sh- sub-genre. Um, what's the GTFO was one, right, that's yeah. similar to this? Um, I still don't know uh, what that stands for, but yeah. Okay. Uh, evolve. Get the, get the fudge, Oscar. <laughs> fudge, Oscar. We got to feed it to zombies. Now, Evolve is one. Um, Evolve was wasn't the, really like, hor- nah. you weren't fighting hordes in Evolve, though, right? No, the, what I'm saying is like the, this sort of idea, right? Yeah. Squad based sure. survival. Co- Co op centric rather yeah. than yeah. PvP. And now this this game, Back for Blood, is, I mean, as close <laughs> to being the sequel to Left 4 Dead 2 as it could. I mean, it couldn't be more obvious uh, about yeah. it. Yeah, um, it's it's a folk, it's four character four survivors. Um there are actually I think eight in total, but you you know, when you're playing it's four survivors. Uh everyone's a unique character. They all have like cute little backstories and like very identifiable characteristics. Um you are again fighting zombies in like chapter segmented levels that end that kind of culminate in these like big act breaks where you're like holding down the fort in like a whatever, a bar or something like that. There are, yeah, it, the core of it is almost exactly the same. Two two sort of big features, I think, of Left 4 Dead that I, I always think of um, is the the AI director. Uh, yeah. The idea for which was so novel when Left 4 Dead first came out in, I guess, 2008, um, where every run, you know, you're playing through the same set of levels. Uh, they added more through DLC eventually, but um, you're playing through the same levels over and over again. Uh, but the AI director is a sort of um, 
I mean, just what it says on the tin, right? It's directing the movie of your run-through. And that means that, you know, it drops zombies on you at different points. It changes yep. the number of special uh, zombies that have these, like, horrible, annoying powers. Uh, and, you know, changes where the weapons are and what weapons are available to you. So it's always different every time you play. Uh, that is definitely in Back for Blood in a real cool way, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. But also, like Justin said, Left for Dead 1 and 2 had these buckwild set pieces. Like, you have to defend a stage at a festival rock concert uh, or, you know, refuel an airplane on this wrecked tarmac and, you know, pr- protect the plane from a horde of zombies, uh, which is also back in Back for Blood. Yeah, uh, I would say, too, maybe that's the one thing that I think it doesn't necessarily do quite as well as the original Left 4 Dead games. I feel like they had a lot more fun, particularly Left 4 Dead 2, with, like, really, really... That rock concert uh, level, I still remember to this day, as being one of the dumbest things I've ever played, where you can, like, launch uh, fireworks out of these, you know, flaming lips air cannons from the stage to distract zombies and stuff like that. There's definitely some of that DNA um, in Back for Blood, but... Uh, they, I don't know. I don't think they had quite as much fun with the level design stuff. There, the ways in which this is like, I think, sort of updated to match with modern mechanics, uh, such as it is. Um, one of the big ones is the introduction of like a currency mm-hmm. that you can get for, well, one, just sort of, sort of like lying around the level a lot of times. Um, sometimes currency is awarded for special conditions, being special conditions in a given run of a level like getting everybody to the end alive or not sending off alarms or something like that. And then you can use that that currency that you get to upgrade your weapons, buy new weapons, buy traps, buy healing items, buy just like health, buy ammo, whatever, um, which is sort of sort of feels like you would see in like a MOBA or what have you, um, that that sort of yeah. Yeah, uh, you idea. you mentioned the the weapon thing and that was I think a pretty other uh, another pretty significant change is that weapons now have like a rarity system to them. So as before, if you found a shot like a pump action shotgun in Left 4 Dead, every pump action shotgun effectively was the same. Here, you might find the exact same gun, but it'll do more damage or have better accuracy or maybe has attachments on it. Um so they added some depth to encourage people to like switch up their guns in ways that they really didn't have a reason to do that before. It's a weird, it's slightly, it it hit a little weird for me, mainly because they want, they want because the nature of these, they, and it's a four person game, so everybody's playing together. They do not want you to get bogged down in like fiddling with your equipment too much, right? They want you to keep moving quickly, but, or, or, you know, both in the in between areas where you can buy stuff, but also like during the levels. But, but that makes it kind of annoying because like you'll find a you'll be using a shotgun that has uh, several good attachments on it. And then you'll find a better shotgun, but you don't have the ability to like take your attachments off and put them on the new gun. So it's just like you, you're kind of it feels bad. Like it doesn't feel like fun and satisfying. It feels like, ugh. I have all these, you know, I've, I've been collecting all these great attachments, but I can't use them on this new gun. I have to yes. go through that whole rigmarole again, um, which feels like I understand why they do it because they want to keep the pace frenetic. But like at the same time, it feels it feels not particularly well thought. Through. I am begging. Deve- this is an open letter to developers of literally, literally every type of video game. If you're not making like a, uh, you know, uh, perpetual online like big grindy game like a Diablo or a Destiny or an MMO or something along those lines please stop doing that please stop saying oh it looks like you found the same exact pistol but it's green so this one's better baby it's so it's so overdone I feel like and it drives me absolutely wild I mean I get uh, it from oh, like a design st- it's all they want people to not hold the same gun the whole time so i i get the logic. but it is the same it is the same gun right like you're yeah, talking they just about the they num- just they change the, the numbers color sure. and they change the numbers it's a, it's i don't love that because in the original left for dead like if you found the kind of gun that you like and it wasn't always a guarantee uh like say you really liked the uh the assault rifle or you know the pump shotgun uh, if you found it and that's the weapon that you like and you feel like you're good with, you're like, okay, so I don't, you know, 
I don't have to sweat that anymore. Like I got the thing that I want because these these runs are not the longest thing in the world. And so you don't sure. necessarily get that satisfaction of like, ooh, I found a blue gun. That's a sick find. Like you I mean, would you can, in a- I would say like doing a full act is probably two to three hours. So it could, oh, it'll I- last a while. I, I know what you mean. I think part of it is like a HUD thing where it just like isn't conveying properly how much more powerful a thing is yeah. beyond like a random number that means nothing. Um, I think the big change here, and you know, I talked about it a little bit with the gun rarity, but the biggest change is that they just add a lot of depth to sure. the the systems at large. Uh, we haven't even talked about the whole cards. We, we got to talk about the yeah, cards because that's you, I yeah. love I love that system because it is yeah, it is persistent. I, I didn't really like click with it, so if you explain it to me like a child, right? So you get I forget what they're called, like supply points or something like that for uh, finishing levels and fill and finishing acts. And it scales depending on like the difficulty and how many of the like sub uh, missions like on each level that you get, like don't alert any hordes or make it to the end in, you know, six minutes or something like that. And then there is a camp that is like the connective tissue for all of the game. When you finish an act or like you're between acts, you go to this camp and the camp has like a firing range and uh uh, a boxing ring, uh, which is pretty fun when you're in there, like with a bunch of with a bunch of buddies. Um, but then you can also sort of spend these supply points uh, to unlock cards. You can also find cards in the level, um, but they are, I in my experience, pretty rare. I think maybe if you're playing on a high high difficulty, it, they drop a little bit more commonly. But usually, you have to spend this like uh, persistent currency on it that is different from the gold that you spend on, uh, you know, weapons in each act. Uh, you unlock those cards with the currency by buying them in different like tracks. It's very so, weird. It's pretty weird. That I, that that doesn't. I feel like there's a better way of distributing the cards than that because like this is the track for fast builds where you just want extra speed and extra endurance and maybe you're uh you know running right up on zombies and bashing them with melee stuff. So it has a couple of melee perks. This is one about ammo conservation, and so every card in this track. But also on the tracks are like costume pieces yeah. and other other stuff weird you stuff. don't really want, basically. Yeah, exactly. But you have to buy them in in order, right? Because usually yeah. the last card in the track is dope and like enough to define your build. the The whole card system, I think, to me, feels like something that will allow this game to be interesting six months down the road for people that like yeah. continue to play it hardcore. Because eventually you get to this point, and Griffin, you had this when we were playing together, where you have this great synergy of like a bunch of melee cards in a row. So you and you find an axe that's great, and suddenly every time you get a melee kill, you're regening health, yeah, or moving slightly faster, or getting damage reduction, and like they all stack on top of each other. If right. you're new, you basically got this very basic set of cards right. that don't really mm. synergize, but are just like easy to understand. I, I well, let me just as a counter to that uh i played the game for a couple hours before i unlocked that card so it's not like they hold that stuff off from you for a, su- a super long time i i would make a counter argument to that though as somebody <laughs> who is I, I i just just i i think that that the idea of like introducing rogue they call it rogue light mechanics yeah. and something like this is smart i feel like the runs go on too long to make that impactful right like yeah you, it because the run can take like your first time you play it like you're if you're playing on the the regular difficulty or whatever, you're gonna make it through the first act or so before it gets like kind of overwhelming, or at least that was my experience. And like you're not it's not like you're getting your ass handed to you and then, you know, back to the beginning and then getting a little more powerful, which is like how a roguelite should uh, ideally work. You're getting like a pretty long run where you're just playing a pretty decent, if not all that throw I don't know. I just I w- I wanted these I wanted it to be just a little bit more interesting on like the basic, uh, the gameplay of it. And I mean, like, I feel like it's not setting the world on fire in a way that you would have expected the sequel to Left 4 Dead. You're to, talking about the, do. the cards specifically or just the game in general? I feel like the cards would be more effective if they were introducing them like. When I finished our first run, I was like, I am done playing this game for now. Like, I wasn't, like, itching to get back in for another run. Sure. And I feel like for a good rogue pacing, the runs can't be so long that you're like, fuck that, I'm never doing that again. You know, like... We did it, we it, did wipe out itching to, on the yeah, last... We wiped out on the last scene of the final act, and it, 
it, we had one continue and we beefed it on that one too. Uh, cause I think we were still figuring out what we were doing and then we couldn't play. We couldn't finish that, that, that run. Right. We couldn't yeah, finish that. I, I, and we were, we were inches from the finish line and then it was like, Oh, you fucked up. Bye. But you do, I think it's some, some currency, even if you fail to yeah. like, purchase more cards, but justice, right. It, it is a, it is a, um, the time, spent in game to cards that you maybe don't even necessarily want but you have to buy them because you're going down the track ratio it 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 needs work and i think maybe it could avoid sidestep a lot of that if they again just distributed the cards in a different way right like instead of going down these tracks and spending all of your currency to get the one card that you want at the end of it and a bunch of cosmetic bullshit that you don't want like do do booster packs not like microtransactional booster packs but like you know then it's fun maybe then you get a card that you didn't know you wanted um that like yeah, che- that, introduces you to a new play style that you're like oh shit i actually really that, like playing melee that play style thing is the other thing that i feel like the runs being too long interferes with like you don't necessarily want like when i found um uh if you found a new weapon the run has been going on for so long. It does not encourage you to just be like, I don't know, try something new, like try it, you know, cause you don't want to mess it up. Cause it has been such a long, long run. Um, and I feel like that's sort of like getting in the way of the way they want you to, to be playing it. Yeah. I think the core gameplay is good. I feel like, again, this is the sort of thing that if someone were to get like really, really hardcore into it, building a deck would be extremely satisfying. I agree with everyone that I think it takes too long to get there. Even just starting you with like four decks, one's like a melee deck, one's like a blah, blah, blah deck, I think would have been good. And and you do have some basic cards from each of those categories, but they really just give you kind of full freedom to build your deck out. And it's very overwhelming when you're really just starting out and have no idea how this stuff is going to like work together. And I think a little bit more handholding would have been helpful here yeah it's there's some of that in there right like each of the cleaners i think there's maybe seven of them um has has like set perks that they carry into each one right yeah uh i always played as this one character who had a bunch of like speed upgrades like he could break out of a grapple from one of the the big boy zombies uh like super quickly once a minute uh, and he increased the run speed of the whole party by 5%, and he had like 20% more stamina. I really liked playing as him, and then I found that card that made it so that every time I got a melee kill, I healed like four point, like a minimal amount of hit points, but you kill thousands of zombies each run, so I could just post up in front of a window during a horde attack and just hold the melee button and heal up. Like That's when the game kind of clicked for me, that I realized like, oh, this is, this is actually pretty cool. Like There's actually yeah. a lot of different ways to play this game. Um, but... I've been playing the game a bit since since then, since I found that build and, and enjoyed it, and it kind of refreshed the experience of the game for me. And I, I don't know that I've unlocked another card that has been as sort of transformative, that I feel sure. like, oh, this is a whole other way to play this game. Uh, and that's not saying those cards aren't in the game, but again, like it's just, the way that you acquire them and the length of time it takes to even get the currency to acquire them in the bad way that they do distribute them, it kind of kind of... Uh, it takes the wind out of my sails quite a bit. Um, yeah, so what I, I think I is s- I, a great game. Like I think it's the gunplay is pretty fun, and running away the, from zombies and trying to do all the different objectives is like great. Um, this is how I would I think is like the perfect wheelhouse for this game is, and it's on Game Pass. So if you you and maybe a couple other friends all have Game Pass, spending two to three hours on a Friday night online playing this game is pretty spectacular just because it's so easy to just like jump in and start shooting zombies and having fun like there's very little barrier to that specific thing and i also and i think that's like a rarity but i would also call out the fact that this game supports full cross-platform play and that Mm. is like one of the smoothest cross-platform experiences i've had in a very long time where i was playing on xbox these guys were playing on pc and we were able to get in the same lobby with like no delay whatsoever so like that's great. Like I, I really desperately keep, you know, we've seen it in a few games, just want to keep seeing that level of accessibility in terms of like platform yep. stuff. It's great. Have you guys gotten the sense that I have that this is like, do you think this is going to be a long-term thing? Like, do you feel, do you feel like, like the, there's going to be a scene for this? I, oh, I, for this game I, in particular? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, precisely. Um, uh, it's so hard to say, right? I can only speak to sort of my personal experience, which is that I haven't picked up the game in, uh, you know, almost a week or so. Like, I don't have much 
drive to keep playing them. That said, like I love this genre, and there's not a lot of games that fill this like specific kind of niche. Um, but it might just it honestly my my life in 2008 and 2009 is drastically different from my life in 2021 mm. and so like mm. i don't necessarily have the kind of schedule where i can um you know it's tough to get all of us together at the same time to record a podcast and so the idea of all of us sort of uh taking time off from you know baby stuff or whatever uh to really fun play. playing together though it was yeah. really fun. but there's all that's so hard though because like almost anything would be fun if i was playing yeah but i don't i think like. this game in particular is much more friendly for like oh we haven't played this at all and we can jump into a game whereas like yeah. we couldn't play destiny together like yeah because we're all different yeah shit not only that like just the prep of like getting into the lobby and what mission are we gonna do and blah blah yeah. blah like whereas this you can be up and running it is in five seen, minutes. it is really it is it to back up Russ's point, it's fucking incredible. Like how easy it is to just you all pop into the same camp and manage yeah. your shit and go into the mission. Um, yeah, I don't know that it's fair to say that like any game multiplayer would be fun because again, there aren't a ton of games like this co-op, uh, run-based, like zombie shooter. Uh, that exist and this it's, feels it, like, like you're having people over to your house to play like same sp- uh, you know it doesn't support split, split screen, screen but like yeah. that's the vibe that it gives off and there mm. just aren't that many four player co-op centric games like that there's also pvp stuff which i wasn't able to test out so like it's there's okay. also that it's, but it's not great um yeah. <laughs> uh also in the old games you there was a, uh, a zombie type called the witch that if you got too close to her or shot her or something, she would scream and alert the biggest, gnarliest horde. And in this game, there's flocks of birds. <laughs> and uh, just trolling your teammates by just running through the flock of birds like a like a delighted toddler uh, is still really fun. It's still pretty funny <laughs> to say, clean up my fucking mess, boys. It is funny that they downgraded from witch to flock of birds. Some birds, yeah. <laughs> um, I kind of want to play... With you guys after we're done recording, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like we itch about for it. Um, the, so anyway, that's uh, back for blood. I uh, we were we I, we were pretty critical of it. I feel like in that talk, which I don't know necessarily. Re- I think it's a good. I think it's a good game. I think if you enjoyed the old games, you will love love this one. Um, but it's it, 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 this is what's frustrating with games like this is that I loved the old games. I love this genre, and this one just makes a couple choices that I feel like if they were different, it would cement it as like a game I would keep returning to yeah i think a more pared down version of this game would be even better even though this game is super good yeah i feel like also if you've got a regular crew of people that you're playing with like it probably changes the math definitely it's sort of like what steven was talking about last week with with far cry 6 like if you've got a regular gaming night with people like i feel like this is a a very good way of spinning it yeah um we are going to come right back and talk about other games that are uh really going to scare you just the scariest stuff and I, there's gonna you're gonna watch your pants yeah so go get some new pants and we'll be back after this i mean no you should bring the podcast with you because we are going to do a very important advertisement but like yeah. get new pants while you're you get it you go get a phone you just want a phone talk to your friends and family you're not asking so much then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans, there is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for like literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution? Save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month. Say bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy 
easy to get your personal finances on track and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties can i talk about another zombie game mm. that's very near near and dear to my to my heart and stubs. my brain stubs <laughs> the, the stubs is back stubs is uh he never left uh no it's it's actually voodoo voodoo vince is what <laughs> voodoo vince is back what's the one with john c mcginley where he was a uh, detective uh, it was a, I think it was a PSP game. Whoa. That was not um, Stubbs the Zombie? Deadhead Fred. Deadhead Fred. Oh, Deadhead yeah. Fred. Fantastic. That, the detective who was a brain in a jar with a trench coat. Man, that was cool. Wow. That was a cool game. I know, right? I haven't thought about it for a little bit either. So which which of those are you talking about, Griffin? Uh, I'm talking about Resident Evil 4. Which, oh. where did that, where did that, was that the runner up in our yeah. big Resident Evil uh, tournament of that champions? is correct. It lost okay. to Resident Evil Village, much to my chagrin. I still yeah, think it should have won. Yeah. Uh, and the argument was, well, it hasn't been updated in a while. Maybe when the VR version comes out, people oh, will I would, think differently. Oh, Unfortunately, my... Plant is still traveling. He was the one that was fighting against Resident Evil Four, maybe the hardest. Yeah. Um, well, here's the thing. Okay. Has anybody else played Resident Evil Four VR? I don't know who has. I a do quest. not have a Quest Two at the moment, so okay. no. And Does it, it not work on a Quest One? Quest Two. Okay, um, it's phenomenal. <laughs> it is so good. It is good uh, in uh, on like the Resident Evil Four level, where not every version of Resident Evil Four is great. Um, like like Chris's experience, like I recently tried to play through Resident Evil Four on the Switch, and it was a total fucking snooze fest. Really? Um, yeah, and I don't know that I've ever beaten. Resident Evil 4 in that sort of format. The one that I loved, and I think I talked about this on that episode, uh, was oh, Resident Wii Evil one, yeah. 4 on the Wii, right? Because you yeah. had manual aiming. Uh, you could you know, look around much easier. It was just much easier to fight in that sure. game. Much easier to shoot and aim your shots. Um, and Resident Evil 4 VR definitely falls into that, that latter camp. But it also, like, it's not just the Wii version where you're basically just using a controller that you can aim with. It is, you know, fully immersive VR stuff. Uh, and man alive, it is, it is, a, it is a hoot. Uh, the biggest, like, the biggest praise I can give it is that in Resident Evil 4, when you're playing it in just, like, the normal version, whenever you walk into, like, a big, you know, uh, fortress or whatever, and you look around and there's a hundred zombies all over, that is not a fun thing because you're like, oh, fuck, I'm gonna have to very slowly and methodically shoot each one of these guys in the head, yeah. walk up to them, kick them to the ground and slice them with my knife to conserve ammo. That's going to be so, that's going to take so long and it's so boring. Uh, in Resident Evil 4 VR, all that shit feels really good and it's really, really fun. And, you know, that's the classic strategy in Resident Evil 4, right? Ammo's limited, so you can stun a zombie, kick it to the ground and then cut it with your knife until it dies and you only used one bullet. Uh, in VR, you can do that strategy. Um, but other zombies are still going to be coming up on you and it's kind of sure. harder to like, just have them in your periphery. So I would be like a, a serial killer, just like slashing a zombie on the ground that I just stunned while looking over my shoulders in both directions, not even looking at the zombie I'm dispatching. So I can keep an eye on my, you know, on my sidelines to make sure nobody's creeping up. Uh, it is, it's not scary necessarily. It's sure. the tension is like 
always at maximum, I feel like, whenever you are fighting zombies. And I think that was the case with Resident Evil 4 originally. It's like, I mean, it was a little scary at the beginning when you had very little resources. Yeah. But very quickly, it turns into like a thriller as uh, more than like a horror game. Yeah, absolutely. Because you've got a shotgun and various other weapons. Yeah, and and there's so much about Resident Evil 4 that is great, right? Like, it's got these treasures that you have to hunt down, which was gone until Resident Evil 8, uh, because you have, like, you know, the, the merchant uh, that you can I, sell those yeah. treasures to to uh, buy and upgrade these incredibly powerful weapons if you've got I gotta know, it. when you met the merchant for the first time, how, oh, took how close up in that grill did you get? Oh, I got right up in it. Like, there's, there's, I forgot they introduced him, like, through a cutscene. You, like, see him creepily walking by a window. <laughs> and Leon's like, who was that? And I was like, that's the merchant, dog. He's got, <laughs> he's got a lot of great things for sale, stranger. Uh, yeah, that's, that, that part is great. And it's also just like, a, a, it is a buck wild game, like, plot and tone wise. Uh, and just, yeah, they man, did make just, some changes to the dialogue, I know, from a, yes. like a, this was gross standpoint, so that's great. <laughs> yeah, you're not necessarily uh, being completely lecherous about the president's daughter that you're supposed to be rescuing uh, every other scene. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just a trip. I can't, it, I can't remember the last time that a VR game came out. I think it was probably that Lone Echo game that was so great, where you're like a robot pushing yourself around a space station. I remember I played that over the course of like a couple nights and it gave me the worst headache. Uh, and I'm hitting that point again with Resident <laughs> Evil 4 because like I, I have a lot of games that I could be playing right now, but I can't. Like if I'm in my office and I have some time to kill, I will throw the quest on and, and play Resident Evil 4 because it's just, it's so much fun. It's so, so the, much fun. the last VR, significant VR game that we played on the podcast, if I recall, was Half-Life Alex, which was a game that you really did not like. No. I absolutely loved half-life alex although i do agree that it took a little while to like get to that point yeah um why where do you see is like the significant difference between these two experiences where resident evil like clicks for you and that didn't it's funny right because Re- half-life alex is a much more modern game than yeah. resident evil 4 by by the span of like i don't know 15 years i don't know when resident evil 4 came out um but i never felt like I was having much fun in Half-Life Alex, mm-hmm. And part of that was just sort of, you know, the, how the combat worked and felt and level design stuff. Um, I think that this is so counterintuitive, right? Half-Life Alex has so much stuff that was integral to its design that it was in virtual reality. A lot of like, pick up this key and, right. you know, throw this, throw this thing and uh, look at all these physical interactions. And that stuff is definitely novel, and it's certainly the only kind of stuff that you can do in virtual reality. But I didn't think it was that fun. Resident Evil 4 doesn't have a lot of that stuff. Like, your inventory management's kind of cool because, like, you have your holster at your hip that has your one-handed weapon in it. You have a holster over your shoulder for, like, the shotgun or the rifle to go into. You have a grenade on the right side of your chest. You have your knife on the left side of your chest. Your left shoulder has whatever healing item you have equipped in there. So, like, all of that is pretty cool. Also, whenever you take uh, phone calls from your handler, uh, Hunnigan, I think is her name, uh, it, you have to, like, actually pull out your phone and tap on the screen to, like, move <laughs> through the dialogue. So, But all that stuff is, you know, appended to the the game that was already there yeah you can't like that, go into the pig pen and pick up pig shit and throw it at a zombie right exactly which would be uh, like an Al- an alex thing you could it would be an alex like, thing right those physical yeah. vr interactions uh but resident evil 4 already was a great game that felt really you know in, in certain versions like fun to play like wild design a compelling sort of like progression thing uh and it was just a lot of fun right and so the VR stuff on top of that is, oh, I see the necessary changes you made to this to make it sort of, you know, not just be a regular video game that you looked at in first person in VR. Like there's there's some cool additions here, but those cool additions are on top of a great game. And yeah. I don't know that that was true of Alex where they weren't appended on. They were like that they were the core of the game and it it, it felt. Yeah, sort of I still think. Uh, Alex is worth going back to Griffin. I know how you felt early on, but I I do earnestly think it is pretty spectacular. It just might take a little bit to get there. I did want to ask about Resident Evil. Is the briefcase still in it? Yeah, 
Yeah, the briefcase is still in it. Uh, you, okay, you manage that stuff in, in... There's no sort button. There's certain things that, like, I feel like when you remake a game, if you change anything, there will always be people who get pissed off, even yeah. if that thing is like, hey, we took out the part where you look up the president's daughter's skirt or whatever. Uh, people are like, no! That's in- no, I love that! The integrity! Um, that's how I met my wife! <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Excuse me? Uh, but, damn, a sort button would be... So choice in that are briefcase. You, are you like physically picking up an egg and putting it in the briefcase? You are. One cool thing, I don't remember if this was in the original version or not, is like, you know, guns are different sizes. They take up certain, yeah. uh, you know, this is a two by four shape that you have to plop into this grid. Uh, you pick up the gun, you can actually rotate it so you can have it be vertical or horizontal, however you need it, which does make inventory management. Like, yeah, I think that was in the original. Was it? Okay. Uh, I, fr- I didn't know that that was a thing in this VR version until I like picked up a gun and sort of idly laid it down by my side and i was like oh shit i can i want to play a whole game that's just that that sounds fucking incredible what yeah (laughs) rifle sorting luggage yeah um that i i cannot vouch for it enough i am uh i it's the it's a weird kind of game i feel like to think of as a goatee contender or at least like a top top fiver but uh i can't remember the last time a game has grabbed me this much vr or not like especially this year um it's, yeah given it's, that it's, it's fantastic given that it's capcom i got to imagine that it will probably have some sort of timed exclusivity and eventually come to um other vr platforms obviously people with like really beefy rigs i'm sure would like to just play it on their desktop with like a vive or something um uh, is but, it is there a wireless vive because I will say that, like being able to play it natively on the Quest, no, you know, link cable or whatever to your to your PC, uh, is is sick. Like it's it's it is as everything is on a wireless VR headset compared to a wired one. Like it's so great. Yeah, it's I'm, so good. I, I'm not sure, but I but I do know even the Oculus these days is uh, the Quest Two specifically supports wireless link. Oh really? Which is supposed to be pretty good. So like is there, it? Are, yeah, I think there are a lot of like good opportunities that I hope won't just limit this to one platform. I also, I, I mean, let me just close this by asking, like, the Quest 2 is obviously better than the Quest 1, but not, like, a graphical powerhouse. Yeah, sure. Did you find it to look a little rough, or no? No, no I think it looks excellent. But again, yeah. I'm comparing it to Resident Evil 4. No, sure. Uh, a billion-year-old game. Um, no, it looks great, right? Like, your your the textures of your uh, you know, weapons and hands and, you know, faces and cutscenes, like all of that is close up enough that like it looks great. Uh it is still, you know, you look out at the billboarded like f- five hundred pixel uh trees in the background. It's like, well yeah. that's 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 not good. That's not great. But um I think the stuff that needs to look good looks looks pretty good. Uh, anything else? What else have you guys been, been playing? I've been playing a bunch of stuff on the, I got the OLED switch and I'm like, I really like it by the way. I don't regret that, that purchasing decision. Um, and I've, it's kind of like reinvigorated me to go back and play. It's really big stuff. It's that screen is nice and big. I like that. Well, the whole thing is a, it's really big. I was playing, I'm coming from a light. Well, yeah, if you're coming from a a light. Very, it's very big. I'll say. Do you not like that? Is it is it is the bigness throwing it off? Um, I for I, I really it's so weird. Like I really, I mean, the screen looks better. I I I thought I had preferred the form factor of the light and and the the weight of the light was much easier on my carpal tunnel syndrome. Right, but the. I will say the gripping it, the holding it, especially with those. What did you call it, Russ? That you the recommended split us the split pro, grip? Ori split pad yeah. pro. Yeah, using that like it really has made it more comfortable for for long term. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I they just actually ported Dying Light to the Switch, which is a game I never played. Um, another another zombie game. Another zombie game. Yeah. And I weirdly, it's a game that has like a still to this day a diehard fan base around it, mm-hmm. which I don't, I didn't really understand because it just kind of seemed like a mindless like zombie killing open world game. Um, and it is, there's, there's fun parkour stuff and, uh, uh, other great stuff to do in the game, but it is, it is kind of that. Uh, but this switchboard is great. It's really great. And it's really cool to see, uh, a developer bring a game over to switch with the kind of like attention that Techland did and not make it a, I feel like the go-to port, now for the switch is a cloud-based solution for yeah. larger games and they're doing um, that for the sequel 
For Dying Light 2? Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's... The the cloud stuff I will say is is pretty good. I played through a lot of control uh, in in the cloud version and it was it was fine. But it it you know there is a latency there that a native game just doesn't have. Uh, and yeah. Dying Light it definitely doesn't look great. Uh, and it runs at I think at a variable like thirty to like forty frames per second. Yeah, um, it's not bad. For it's not bad, right? It's it could be much much worse. Um, but I'm actually enjoying it. I'm having a lot of fun, uh, you know, exploring the city and finding all these safe houses. And it's very, uh, it's very tense at night when like the big bad zombies come out and chase you and kill you over and over and over again. Um, another one that I've been playing on Switch uh, on the OLED is Final Fantasy X, which is I think the only mainline Final Fantasy game I have not finished. Um, hmm. I've actually this year sort of been going through a couple of, of Final Fantasy games that I um, had never really, some of them I've never even played before, like Final Fantasy 2. Um, and 10, I think, is the last one. Uh, and I don't love it still, but it, there's a sort of uh, stubbornness, I feel like, where I, I have to complete, I have to catch them all, so to speak. Um, yeah. But it looks it looks good on this big screen. So Hey, hey Griffin, guess what? What? You don't. You don't have to catch them all. You don't. I free. I pardon you. <laughs> but the problem is, I'm already like eight hours in, and that's like just enough time where I feel like if I walk away from it now, I'm a I'm yeah. It's probably going to be over in like two hours, right? Yeah. Something like something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about a game called Elec Head. Uh, that's spelled L E L E C Head. Um, it is a puzzle platformer. You are a robot, and the whole game. Uh, centers around the fact that you are filled with electricity. So every platform that you stand on will basically get filled with electricity. That doesn't hurt you, but it does cause things to happen in the world. So, um, you know, if you're standing on a platform and it's connected to uh, a moving platform, for example, having it electrified will cause the moving platform to move. It is extremely simple at its core. Um, Even the graphics are like very simple 2D uh, pixel graphics. But the design at work for how these puzzles sort of operate is like super clever and fantastic. I'm gonna really struggle like selling this game. It reminds me of uh, the person who made it, regardless. But Braid, when it came out, obviously was like a very, in, very interesting puzzle platformer in the way that it like caused you to solve puzzles. It feels like that in the way that you don't have a lot of tools at your disposal, but you have to use them in a very clever way. And um, it's, I, I've just been like totally smitten by it. It's on Steam. It's probably on itch.io for 10 bucks. It's like a very relatively short, a couple hour long puzzle platforming game, but I've just been totally taken by it. Though like minimalism is really cool. Even on the Steam page, I just noticed this, that Steam description for Elekhead is a lightning emoji, plus a robot emoji, plus a puzzle piece emoji. And that's it. There's no other description on the page. (laughs) Um, It's just a really, really well-made, dope game. I've been hearing about it uh, on Twitter for a few days. I think I initially heard about it from Patrick Klepek on Twitter. And uh, so I tried it out, and I was just, like, totally taken by it. Uh, It's by, uh, the developer's name is Nama Takahashi. And, uh, wow, it is just, like, Super, super good. That sounds very so, fun. Yeah, it's awesome. Juice? I have been play, playing, um, it's called, it's Inscription? Yes, it was mentioned last week. Um, yes, yeah, and it's by, by Steven, and I, I, I picked it up as a result of his recommendation, and I'm going to bully you all into playing That's it. already started, uh, by the way. Don't make it sound like you haven't already been bullying us. Yeah, I'm going to continue the bullying okay. campaign to get you to play it uh, because – and I just want to tell you, if you're listening, we're going to be talking about it next week. So go play it if you like uh, deck building games or escape rooms or dark, just dark gothic stuff or mystery or good stuff. Yeah, yeah, play sure. It. Uh, inscription with a Y. I-N-S-C-R-Y-P-T-I-O-N. Just trust me on this one. We're going to, we'll talk about it more next week, but like, please check. It's from the creator of Pony Island. If you ever played, played that one. Um, anyway, but please, I insist. Uh, 
I just also real quick wanted to say um, that I finished Metroid Dread. Yay. Um, and it whips ass. Yes. Like, that game rules. Like, it's fun the whole way. Like, even the last boss battle with, with all my rockets and all my fucking life bars and all the collectibles I'd gotten was still balanced in such a way that it took me a few tries, several tries, to to finish it, to finish it out. It was just like so thrilling and I loved it and it was so cool and it doesn't overstay its welcome and it's just like really, really good. And I and playing it on the OLED switch is yeah. like night and day. It's really I mean it's a massive, massive difference. Um yeah, because you played it on an LCD first, right? Yeah, I played it on the well, on the light. Yeah, I, I was never able to compare the two um, directly like that. And uh, but yeah, I'm sure it is pretty dramatic. Yeah, um, and yeah, I, I I was able to dock it towards the end to play with like the pro controller. Uh, just to, to I haven't docked my light basically ever. Yeah, well, you can uh, obviously. But <laughs> this, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> I haven't done that, so I, I meant. Like I've been playing with the light for so long that I haven't been able to to dock it. And I forgot, like, man, it looks pretty good. It doesn't look it doesn't look bad. Yeah, it looks uh, better on the, on the OLED though. Yeah, for sure. Uh but those are both very good games. Cool. Cool. I, plant, I wanted to plant. What about you, bud? Oh. Plant? Plant? I, I I recommend the Criterion collection. <laughs> <laughs> which now which movie exactly? Uh, the whole the whole of all of them. Okay. Well, you heard it here yeah. first. Very good. All of them. Uh, I wanted to thank the following people for writing reviews for the besties on Apple Podcasts. Uh, thanks to Izzy SLP, Dub Lemons, Shaku, uh, A Foreign Flower, and, oh, New York Giraffe fan. I'll let Aww. him know. Nice. Did you make that one, nice. Russ? So it was a sad. No, I didn't. Sad, sick person. Um, <laughs> living a very sad One of these life days, I feel I like I'm going to get goofed into saying a name that's like Scratch My Butt or something like yeah, that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh so games that we talked about this week include Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead 2, Back 4 Blood, Resident Evil 4, VR, Elekhead, that was the puzzle platformer deal, Metroid Dread, a gothic card horror game called Inscription, uh, Dying Light on the Switch, and Final Fantasy X on the Switch. Uh, if you want to play any of those, go go for it. Next week, we're going to be talking about Gardens of the Galaxy and Inscription and maybe Riders Republic. Uh, and so, you know, check those out. Guardians of the Galaxy will surprise you, my friends. I was, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but my, uh, expectations could not have been lower <laughs> yes. for Guardians of the <laughs> Galaxy. Every single signal it was sending out was like visible stink lines. <laughs> visible stink lines. And I don't know why they were so embarrassed of it. It's pretty good. Uh, but we'll talk about that next week. Cool. Yeah. You gotta so, end it. Yeah, I gotta end it too, huh? God, it's exhausting being me to do all those things together. Uh, hey, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with you again next week for the besties. Until then, be sure to join us again next week. Because shouldn't the world's best friend pick the world's best games? Besties!